So we've been talking about God with us, and um, we're going to continue with that. And we're actually in uh, part five of this message, I think. The text is the same text we've had every week. I want to read it again because it's, I think it's important for us to know. Revelation 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, he shall be my son. He says it several times in this one text that you know he wants to come down and dwell among us. He wants to be our God and we be his people. That's the message right from the very beginning. In the garden, God created man because he wanted to have a fellowship with man. And he came down and walked and talked with man in the garden. And God has always wanted that. And I just want to point out to you again that God is always the one who initiates everything in this relationship. You know, Adam didn't say, God, I want you to create me. God said, I'm going to create you so that we can have this relationship. And God came and he sought out Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he sought out his people. He said, I want to have not only a man here or there that loves me and I have a relationship, but I want a people. I want a whole nation that love me and I can have a relationship that I can call them my people and I'll be their God. It's pretty remarkable to me that God would want that with us because we're so undeserving and unworthy and yet in those days He did it because He loved and He's doing it today because He loves and then he did it. He just chose someone and said, you, you are someone that I'm going to have this relationship with because I can see in you a heart that will be open to me. God, he puts the invitation out to everyone now. Only those who say yes and respond are the ones that, that are changed and have this relationship with him. So... The same choices that were available for the children of Israel, the same choices that were available to Abraham and Adam all the way through to us. I mean, we've, we've got the same choice. God has always said, look, I've got a plan. It's a good plan. Here it is. I want to bless you. I want to have a relationship with you. All I'm asking you to do is just, just a couple little things. With Adam, it was just, just don't eat from that one tree. <laughs> that was just one thing. And with all of us now... You know, we, we have a lot of a lot of teaching. But all he really wants is he just wants our heart, just like he wanted Adam's heart. He still just wants us to say, I choose you over 
that tree, I choose you over that thing, I choose you over whatever. He wants our hearts. That's all he's ever wanted. I don't think it's that big of a requirement. In order to have a relationship with the God of the universe, all it means is that we have to say yes. And when we say yes, it's not like you're giving up everything. You're the one who's giving. Oh yeah, you got to give up some stuff. You give up your old sin. You give up your habits. You give up your brokenness. You give up your pain and your sorrow. You give up all those addictions. You give up, you know, you could name it. Just go down the list. You give all that up, and what do you receive? Abundant life, love, joy, peace. And you could name hundreds and hundreds of things that we get. Believe me, it's a great offer. It's like it was money back guarantee too. You know, you can't you can't go wrong. God says, if you just trust me, I'll show you who I am. He says, seek me and I'll show you great and mighty things that you can't even begin to imagine. You just call on me and seek me. The Lord, the Lord has a good plan for all of us. And so, it's a great offer. So while we're talking about all this this morning, if you happen to be someone who has never given your life to the Lord, then this would be a great time for you to be thinking about that and what that means. Because the offer still stands. But there will come a day where the offer will be null and void. You know, if you leave this life, you don't get any more chances after that. I mean, that's it. So you got to accept the offer while you're still living and breathing. And then the other thing, maybe you've been walking with the Lord a long time and you might have grown cold or maybe you've had some problems and you got discouraged. Anybody ever been discouraged? I mean, it happens. Anybody ever given up, you know, maybe temporarily, or, or you thought, you know, man, this is, just, this is just too hard. The Lord wants to heal all those type things in us so that, that we are so convinced of His goodness and so convinced of what He wants to do in our lives that nothing else would ever compare with what He's offering us. And we wouldn't be tempted to take something else because it's, it's like, well, that's a dumb choice. I'm not doing that. I've had uh, a lot of dumb choices in my life. One day, a friend and I, we were out hunting, and we came to this wire, and he said, that's an electric fence wire. And I said, oh, all right. I said, you think it's on? He said, oh, yeah, it's on. So, you know, I'm like one of those guys at the, at the restaurant, and they come out, and the waitress says, the plate's really hot, and I'm just like, I'm going to touch it immediately and see if it's really that hot. Well, so, you know, I touched the fence, you know, nothing. It's not on. <laughs> well, what happened here, I didn't know it, but the fences are pulsing, man. They don't just stay on the whole time. So all this time I was touching, I guess I had really bad timing. Yeah. <laughs> you grab a hold of it, though, believe me. It'll get you. It'll make a real impression on you, too. I've had a lot of respect for electric fences ever since. So anyway, the Lord wants us to be healed and whole. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to go around messed up and broken. He's a God of redemption. You know, He wants to redeem us. He wants to restore us. He wants to heal us. He wants to change us and make things better for us. And people who don't know the Lord, they get this weird concept that God is going to take away all the fun out of their life or they're going to, they're going to be punished or it's going to be so hard. Wow, you know, living for... Living for your flesh and living for the devil is what's hard because you're under bondage all the time. And you're living in misery. It's not good. 
You're wise. You're smart. Make a good choice. All right. So we're going to talk about Jacob a little bit today. So I give you this uh, outline every week, and I ought to be marking out what we've talked about, but just so you'll know, we're, uh, we're going to be talking about Jacob in uh, chapter 31 of Genesis, verse 24 through 30. It says, Jacob was left alone. Now, just so you understand the, the kind of the, the context here, Jacob and Esau, you know, were brothers, and uh, they had some bad blood between them, and Jacob had left, gone away, but he was going back home. And as he was going home, he had a pretty good bit of angst because he was afraid that Esau was going to still going to be mad at him and come after him. And so just before he, he goes back and sees Esau, he has this experience, and we're going to read this. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. The socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over to Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. I've always thought that was a, an interesting story. But if you remember, Jacob and Esau were twins, and when Rebecca was, was pregnant, I guess she was having some, some struggles. She sensed that something maybe was not exactly right, and she was concerned. She said, I'm going to ask the Lord about it. And the Lord said, you have two nations inside of you, and they are, they are struggling, but the older is going to serve the younger. So they're born. Esau was born first, and he was a red, hairy guy. And uh, Jacob was hanging on as he came out. And so they named Esau, and that means red and hairy, basically. <laughs> red. So uh, they named him that way. And then Jacob was hanging on, that means uh, supplanter or deceiver. And so sometimes those names are pretty powerful. You know, they, people live up to their names quite often. And Jacob, even though God chose him, he, he told Rebecca, he said, you know, the older is going to serve the younger. He chose Jacob. And yet Jacob was kind of a scoundrel in some ways. And Rebecca, his mother, she knew that Jacob was supposed to be, you know, the heir. So, you know, later in life, as, uh, as Isaac, their father, is getting old and he's ready to, he's ready to die, so I'm going I'm to bless you. And so he tells Esau, go out and, you know, kill me a nice deer and uh, fix me that stew like you make that I like so much and I'm going to bless you. Well, Rebecca was listening and she heard... She ran and got Jacob and said, Look, I got a plan. Just let me just say this. That we don't want to be scheming and planning. Because um, God has a plan too. God's plan is a lot better than ours. But what she told him was, Look, I heard what your father was saying, so I want you 
you know, go out and then get a get me a lamb real quick out of the flock so I can kill it and prepare it like he likes it. And, and then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna dress you up and we're gonna put some of his clothes on you. And we're gonna put some hairy skin on you. I mean, he went through the whole deal. And they deceived Isaac and he blessed him. And then Esau came in. Esau wept and cried over losing the blessing, but he had sold his birthright to Jacob when he was a young man over a bowl of soup. So the whole story of back and forth is kind of it's kind of weird. And it just illustrates to me that they were regular human beings. And we do some kind of weird things in our lives and we manipulate and, and do all kinds of scheming trying to figure out you know how to make everything work. God has told us certain things and then we start trying to figure out how we're going to accomplish those things. You know, what, what happened, what we read in the scripture is that Rebecca orchestrated this deal and it worked and God blessed them, you know, the way that, that he intended to. But I can't help but think God's big enough to work that out on his own if they had just been willing to wait. We saw the same thing with Abraham. And God had made this promise to him. Instead of waiting, he jumped in there and said, well, let's, let's do our own thing here. Let's, let's make this work. But just remember, God is a big God, and he is capable of performing his word. And he really doesn't need any help from us other than for us just to believe and accept what he has said. When Abraham heard that he was going to have a son when he was 100 years old, he said he fell on his face and laughed. And it's really pretty laughable to think that we're going to help God. If you think about that, you know, I am going to help God accomplish his plan. That's a, that's a laugher. Because I don't have anything to offer. Paul in Romans said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. I really don't have anything to offer except just my heart. All I can offer is my simple obedience. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough charisma. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough power. I don't have enough anything to help God. It's almost like trying to earn your salvation. You can't. You shouldn't even try. And you can't even if you do try. It's only going to work against you. And so when we... When we try to help God figure out how He's going to accomplish His plan in our life, it just works against us and it causes problems. Because anytime we start doing things in the flesh, in the spiritual realm, it's doomed to failure. Because the flesh and the spirit, they don't, they don't work together. They're warring against each other all the time. So Jacob wrestled with this angel of the Lord all night long. He must have been a pretty stout guy. But he wrestled and he didn't give up. All night long he wrestled. And then he asked to bless and the angel of the Lord blessed him, changed his name from deceiver to prince of God or prince with God. There's several different possible meanings. But he basically was saying, you, you know, you've been this way all your life. You've been operating in your flesh. You've been operating in the things that you can do to manipulate in your strength. And I'm changing all that. I'm changing you into a guy who has spiritual power, spiritual authority, and you're going to be operating on a spiritual level now, and things are going to begin to change in your life. And that's what God is trying to work in all of us. All the time. He's trying to get us to the place where we 
we won't just keep doing stuff the same old way. I mean, that is the definition of insanity, right? You keep doing things the same way, expecting a different result. And that's that's what we do a lot of times. We we know we ought to trust the Lord. We know that God has a good plan, and yet we, we just keep trying to get our hands in there and do something. And the whole time God said, look, I've got a good plan for you. Just let me do it. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't change the plan? Aren't you glad He didn't do His own thing? But He prayed, you know, He said, Lord... If you figure out some other way, but you know, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. And that's what he wants us. That's, that's what he always wants from us. He wants us just to say yes to him. It's a question that comes to us hundreds of times every day, literally. Are you going to say yes to me? Are you going to be saying yes to your flesh? Yes to, to your will? Yes to what other people want? Because you know, we got stuff pulling on us all the time. There's always. There's people and things pulling at us and trying to get us distracted and do all these other things other than what God wants. God wants us to say yes to Him. Sometimes it's inconvenient for us. Sometimes it means that we have to do without something that we kind of wanted. Jesus was our great example and He came and He said, Look, I came to serve, not to be served. I came to give my life away. I didn't come to get anything. I came to give. And we're supposed to be like Him. And so our lives ought to be such that we are always willing to lay down our own desires and our own fleshly uh, appetites. <coughs> Jesus said, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. In both of those, it doesn't say anything about your flesh. It doesn't say anything about your body. It's talking about you know, your heart, what you believe, what you feel, your emotions, that you're supposed to have your mind and your your will and your emotions, all that is supposed to be geared towards giving yourself fully to the Lord. And your physical body and all of its appetites, in them dwells no good thing. I mean you gotta you just gotta say, I'm I'm gonna have to kind of deny you because you're working against me. You're working against me all the time. Now, the Bible tells us no man ever hated his own flesh. And so we, we're concerned about this thing. I want to feed it. I want to take care of it. I want to make sure it gets plenty of sleep. You know, I, I worry about my body. Not that I'm really worried about it, but I mean, I think about it a lot. What does my body want? You know, my stomach growls. I want to feed. You know, good. You know, you're thirsty, you drink water. I mean, you, your body is always... It's always talking to you in some way or another. It's tired. It's sore. It's whatever. I mean, it's always striving against our, our spiritual side. Jesus told the disciples when he, he asked them to pray. He said, would you, would you just watch and pray for a little while here? And he came back and found them asleep. And he said, man, couldn't you just watch a little bit? And he said, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So we have, to, we have to address that and just be aware that our flesh is working against us. The appetites of our flesh are working against us all the time. I'm not saying you shouldn't eat or sleep or anything. I'm just saying that you, you, have to, you have to be aware that they're not trying to help you in your walk with the Lord. Matter of fact, there's a lot of things trying to work against you in your walk with the Lord. The devil is working against you. People will work against you. Time will work against you. 
your obligations with uh, work and family and business and yard and gardens and you, know, you uh, there's all kind of things that are competing for your time and your energy and really it's that whole concept of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength because all those things are competing against that and then when we make good choices and God is working in us and we're seeing man it's good you know, I'm experiencing God's favor and blessing and man, I got such peace and, and you know and I, I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing. He's talking to me. I hear His voice. I read the Word. It's coming alive. And, you know, all the things that are going well. And then, boom, you know, the enemy comes and hits you with something. It's like, oh, you know, I'm sick. Or, oh, you know, I got a pain in my back. Or, oh, man, I got a bill that I didn't know about. And now I'm in a bind financially. And, oh, you know. The enemy doesn't want everything to go well in your life. And I don't want to give him too much credit except that he is against us all the time. And he uses everything that he can get his nasty hands on to work against us all the time. So again, you got the you got the struggle going on. Jacob wrestled with his angel of the Lord all night long. And he was still he was still wrestling. He was still wrestling with his with his flesh. And God said, Okay, you're done wrestling with the flesh and I'm gonna change some things. And I just want to tell you, that's, what, that's where we are. God has come and He said, you have invited me to come and live in your heart and you're not going to be operating in the flesh anymore. Because when my spirit is in you, you're operating in the spirit, not in the flesh. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And be watchful to this end. I just want to tell you, God wants to come and dwell among us. He is. He's in our hearts. If you've invited Him, He is dwelling among us. But we have an enemy that is always working against us 24-7. And we are wrestling. And it's not with, it's not with flesh and blood, but it's, it's with spiritual things. And we see it. We see it in the, in the physical sometimes. But it's always going on in the spiritual, even if we don't see it. And so when you're experiencing something in your body or something in, in your finances or something in a relationship... You know, you ought to be thinking, man, is there something going on here that I can't see? I see what, what's right here in the flesh, but what's going on back in the background somewhere that maybe God needs to straighten out in my life, or maybe God needs to heal, maybe God needs to deliver me and set me free. Maybe there's something going on that I'm not seeing with my physical eyes, but I need to be seeing with my spiritual eyes. Because God wants to dwell with us, and He wants to show Himself strong on our behalf. He wants us to walk in His favor and blessing. But we have to be a little bit like Jacob in that we have to wrestle 
You know, it's a spiritual battle, but we've got to stay in the struggle. You can't just give up. Every time you experience difficulties, you can't just say, oh, well, I guess this is the way it's just going to be. I guess I'm always going to be a flop and a failure. I guess that's the way it is. That's who I am. I've always been that way. I've actually thought that a few times. And you know what happened to me? Bad stuff. It's not good to take that approach. It's better to say, you know, that's not who I am anymore. I'm not like that now. I've been changed. I've been healed. I've been saved. I've been delivered. And when we begin to recognize who we are, and whose we are, and what He wants to do in our lives, we begin to see everything differently. And then when a problem comes along, instead of saying, well, I guess this is how it's going to be, we'll say, no. I am a child of God. And I'm blessed. I'm walking in His favor. He's got a good plan for me. And I'm not going to accept this horrible, ugly stuff that I'm seeing. Maybe it, maybe it never goes away. But if you'll persevere with that kind of attitude, if you'll have faith, God's grace will carry you through, and you'll go through singing and shouting the victory, and you won't think anything about the struggle. And that is victory over the struggle. Amen? Well, I'm here to tell you, there is victory. We can walk in victory. And our circumstances may change, they may not change. That's not even the point. Because God wants our heart. And when we get our heart in tune with Him, and we're saying, Lord, I'm all in. I know what you said, and I trust you, and I believe you. When we can do that, God is dwelling with us. And God is saying, you're, you're my people. I'm your God. And I'm making you a special treasure above everybody else on the whole earth. There's nobody like a child of God. Now, there's, there's all kinds of famous people. There's wealthy people. There's rulers and kings. People in power, that's nothing compared to being a child of God. Because we have something that they will never have. We have a relationship with God most time. Amen? Amen. Worship team, y'all come back. So, I'm through preaching for today. But I am going to walk us through the Lord's table. And um, so it was brought to my attention that sometimes there's some confusion. So I was going to tell you, here's what we're going to do. Start on the outside, both outsides, and come in. When you get it, go back down the middle and go find your seat. That way we won't be button heads. We don't want to butt heads. We're all, it's like one-way traffic. You know? It's a traffic circle on each side. So, one way. And then, uh, as we're worshiping in this first song, come and uh, get the elements, take them back to your seat with you, and then we'll all protect together. Again, Everybody's welcome. I just ask that you be a believer. If you're not a believer, uh, you know you shouldn't you shouldn't partake of this. Uh, so this is a really it's an opportunity for us to receive something special. This is not just something we do. You know there there is a there is a spiritual power, and we acknowledge what Jesus did, and we take the bread and the and the cup. And we're acknowledging that He gave Himself for us, and there is great power in that. We can, we can be healed, we can be set free, we can be cleansed. All that stuff happens in Him. And this is a reminder of His victory over all that in our lives. So as we stand and worship, I just want to encourage you to come. And, and after we partake, just put the cup down on your seat somewhere, or if you want to throw it away outside, that's fine. But we're going we're gonna to allow ourselves an opportunity for the Lord to speak to us as we're worshiping and partaking of this. This, 
this ought to be a, a solemn time that God can do something miraculous and special in us. And we want to give him a chance to do that.
for your body. I thank you, Lord, that your body was given for us. You took those stripes on your back. It is by those stripes that we are healed, Lord. You were nailed to that cross. It's by those, those wounds you suffered, Lord. You were bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon you. Lord, we thank you for that. We acknowledge, we want to be so keenly aware of what you experienced on our behalf, Lord. You did that in our place. We were worthy of death. We were worthy of crucifixion. We were worthy of those 39 lashes. And yet you said, I'll take those for you. So Lord, your body was wounded and scarred and beaten and given for us. Your brokenness becomes our healing. Your brokenness becomes our health. Your brokenness becomes all that we need in this life. So we receive that. Just as you blessed and broke and gave to the disciples, we bless this and break it and we receive it in Jesus' name.
fellowship and join one another. Also, don't forget, we didn't know if you were going to be there next week, so we can have food for you.